Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian. I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and educator, and my goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher, and other listeners with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students. I've been teaching for over 14 years, and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics, while some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation, and other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that can come up when we take on the journey of being a teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, just visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. All right. Hi, everybody. This is Karen Fabian, founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, and I am really, really happy to be here today. It's been a little bit of time, about 10 days, since my last podcast, and so I wanted to record. Um, This will be a little bit on the shorter side, Um, although I think it can be an interesting topic for teachers, because today we're going to be going into shoulder muscles. And this is a really uh, good place for teachers to start their anatomy um, deep dive because so much of what we do in yoga, yoga practice, involves the shoulder muscles. We're doing a lot where the uh, palms are facing the ground, where we're using our upper body strength to keep us from collapsing. Uh, and so understanding what muscles are at work here can be a really good uh, place to begin your anatomy training. And um, it also has a lot of really practical applications to the practice. So that's always a great way to learn and then to immediately be able to see how you can apply what you learn to teaching. And I love to share just quick lessons about things like that. So you can really take away from what you did on the learning side and quickly apply it to your teaching. So I want to start out today with two reminders. One is for those of you that live in or near Boston or are able to get here for a one-day event, I am hosting a one-day wellness event called Bare Bones Yoga Urban Wellness Saturday. And this is Saturday, October 5th here in Boston. It's actually in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it's a full day of wellness activities. So I'll be teaching a yoga class, of course, although I have brought on a number of different experts who will be focusing on their area of passion and expertise. So there's a meditation teacher, there are expert speakers on topics like nutrition and lifestyle health. Um, There is also a fitness session towards the end of the day by my fitness trainer. 
So I loved working with him so much that I wanted him to be part of this. And then there's a really amazing inspirational speaker <clears throat> at the end of the day. And she ran uh, a most unbelievable challenge called the World Marathon Challenge. And it's running seven marathons in seven days on seven different continents. And she'll be telling us about how she did that. <laughs> and um, also some lessons that she learned, which are totally relatable things that all of us can bring into our own lives to help us figure out how to face big challenges and triumph. The whole day is supported by a lot of really neat uh, companies that I love here in Boston that are into healthy food and sustainable living. So you're really gonna be well supported for this whole day with a lot of things to just that are just designed to make you feel good. So you definitely deserve this. You know, taking care of yourself, especially if you're a yoga teacher, is so important for your overall health and wellness. So I really hope you'll join me. I'm giving you as a podcast listener a special incentive. So all you need to do to get this discount on the day is just send me an email, Karen at barebonesyoga.com, and I'll give you the discount. I'll tell you what it is and that'll give you a little extra special support for coming to this event. So that's Saturday, October 5th. The link to the event will be in the show notes. It's also right on my homepage, barebonesyoga.com. But remember, when you go to the link and you see all that's involved, don't sign up there because you're going to get a discount. So send me that email, karen at barebonesyoga.com, and I will uh, tell you all about how to get that. The next thing I want to share is I'm recording this today on September 20th, and just yesterday I released a one-week special program really designed to address some questions that came up in my anatomy Facebook group. And if you're not part of that group, definitely join. I have hundreds of teachers from all over, literally all over the world that are in that group. And it's a great way to learn anatomy on the go, meaning you can just pull up your Facebook and I post tons of videos in there. And there's a lot of conversation that, conversations that happen. The link to join, just FYI, is right on my homepage, barebonesyoga.com. And recently, some teachers said they'd be interested in support around queuing. And so I was already at the point where I was going to be releasing my fully updated anatomy manual. And I decided, hey, why not create two support programs for teachers around queuing? Because the reality is you can read my manual and your head will be full. And for many teachers, they won't be able to translate what they read and absorbed into cues. Some teachers will, but you know, there's always um, opportunity for us to be coachable and learn from what we've read, how to translate it into action. And that really applies for all subjects, definitely here as we're talking about anatomy. So yesterday, I just let you know if you're on my mailing list or in the Facebook group, you saw the video about this new program. There's two of them. There is an individual coaching program and a group coaching program, and they're both designed to help you take the information from my anatomy manual and learn how to translate that into effective cues. So I'm going to include the offer page that describes that full offer in the show notes. You'll also get it if you're on my mailing list. I'll be sending out reminders this week. And that'll be an opportunity to get my fully updated 200-page anatomy manual and enroll 
in one of those programs. You can just get the manual or you can get the manual with either the group coaching option or the one-on-one -on -one coaching option. And all the details will be on that offer page, which I'll include in the show notes here. So now that you know about those two opportunities, let's get into talking about the shoulder itself. So the shoulder, if you don't know, although I'm sure many of you probably feel this in your body, is a ball and socket type joint. And the reason I say I'm sure you can feel it is because you can stand up and take your arm and swing it around. You can get in a pool and you can swim, moving your arms in lots of different directions. You could stand and throw a baseball or a football. You could swing a golf club. So all of these actions really highlight the high degree of mobility we get with the shoulder joint. And like all joints where we get a high degree of mobility, I like to say it's really important to have a lot of responsibility around that kind of joint because with increased movement, really kind of unfortunately in a way, gives us increased risk. Unless we know what's in there, what kinds of muscles are around that joint and how we can strengthen those muscles to support the joint. So when we look at the shoulder joint itself, one of the common muscle groups that is often referred to is the rotator cuff. And I really wanna highlight this because it is a term that students will use a lot and even teachers, rotator cuff, rotator cuff, rotator cuff, with very little understanding of what's there. And the reason I know this is I've had countless conversations with both teachers and students where they refer to a quote, torn rotator cuff which is really kind of a misnomer. And it's really kind of annoying that doctors refer to it that way because the rotator cuff is comprised of four different muscles. And so many times if there's an injury that someone has, the physician might say to the patient, you have a torn rotator cuff, rather than getting into the details of what specific muscle is involved. Now, of course, I'm not a doctor. I don't know about everybody's individual treatment plan. Although I do know from yoga students, what I hear is I have a torn rotator cuff. And so I think like other muscle complexes in the body, so the hamstrings, the quads, the glutes, these are terms that are often used as if it is one muscle, when in fact, it's not. I mean, just think about the word quadriceps. Just in the word itself, you have the prefix quad, which means four. So it's pretty clear that there's four individual muscles in there. Now I get it. In conversation, we like to just make things quick, but I want you as a yoga teacher to understand the distinction because this is how, number one, when we find that out, <laughs> we build our knowledge of anatomy. And number two, it helps us speak intelligently when we're talking about these muscles. And number three, it helps us really help our students better because we oftentimes will know these distinctions that many times they don't, which is totally fine. And again, totally understandable. Um, we're not expected to be the quote unquote experts, nor are we expected to have a depth of knowledge like a physician or a physical therapist. But I truly believe it's well within our professional scope of practice to understand and be able to clearly explain some of these things. Um, so when we start out looking at the shoulder itself, we've got the rotator cuff and that muscle group is comprised of four individual muscles. They're commonly referred to by an acronym known as SITS, S-I-T-S, and I'll go through each one. So SITS, S, you have supraspinatus, you have infraspinatus, 
you have teres minor, you have subscapularis, so S-I-T-S, four muscles. And they do different things, although some work together collaboratively. So let's look at them one by one. You've got the supraspinatus, and of course I understand this is a podcast and you're not seeing what this muscle looks like, but I will say this is another way of learning. So if you're listening to me and you're getting frustrated that, oh, I wish I could see a picture of this, well, number one, you could listen to the podcast with an anatomy book in front of you, or just relax the line and just open your mind to hearing the description. And then you can always refer to a picture when you're done. And it's a great way to kind of present something in a different way and see if some of the information sticks. So getting back to the rotator cuff. So you've got supraspinatus, which is more towards the top of your shoulder. And this muscle's main function is to abduct the shoulder. So what that really looks like is if you're, let's say in warrior two and your arms are out wide to the side, your supraspinatus is responsible for moving your arm out to the side, otherwise known as abduction, ABD. Another muscle that works collaboratively with the supraspinatus is the, uh, is the middle deltoid. So the deltoid is a cap sleeve muscle on the shoulder itself, and that part of the deltoid works together with the supraspinatus to abduct the shoulder, or you could also say abduct the arm because you're moving the arm away from the side of the body. The infraspinatus sits on the back of the body, as does the teres minor, and those two muscles are on the back of the body. They essentially connect your scapula to your humerus, your upper arm bone, scapula being your shoulder blade. So just think about that. If you have a muscle that sits on the back of your body that connects your scapula to your humerus and it does its job or concentrically contracts, what is it going to do? Well, it's going to open your shoulder or externally rotate it. And that's in part because of its placement on the upper arm bone. And when you think about it, when you externally rotate your shoulder, you roll your shoulder open and roll that bone open. And also because teres minor lives on the back of the humerus, not the front. So it's going to open the shoulder versus turn it in or internally rotate it. And then the subscapularis is the fourth part of the rotator cuff. And you can just tell from the name sub or the prefix sub, it's underneath. And in fact, this one is an internal rotator and sits on the front of the body underneath the chest, sitting in the cup, I guess you could call it like the fossa, of the scapula itself. So if you were to look at somebody head on and you looked kind of with your quote unquote x-ray vision, you would be looking at their subscapularis, which sits underneath pec minor, pec major, uh, sitting in the scapula itself, that, that little kind of fossa that's created. Uh, so those are the four muscles of the rotator cuff. Now we do a lot of things to open the shoulders in yoga practice or externally rotate. So we're doing a lot of actions just naturally in practice that are going to strengthen teres minor and subscap and uh, supraspinatus. I'm sorry, teres minor and infraspinatus because those are your two external rotators. But because people spend so much time hunching, they're really more so than not, 
internally rotating the shoulders. So those two external rotators can be pretty weak. And in fact, with my background in exercise science and my personal training background, I know from the data that when you look across the population, what you see generally are weak external rotators. So that's why it's really good in, in your sequencing that you build in a lot of work where people can externally rotate because they're gonna strengthen those two muscles. They're gonna strengthen teres minor, they're gonna strengthen infraspinatus. Now, having said that, it's going to be really challenging for people to strengthen those muscles when so much of what we do is facing the floor. Because when you put people in plank and low push-up and crow, all of these postures where they're facing the floor with their palms down, which is pronation, their body, unless they have the knowledge, is going to tend to go where it's easiest to go. And this is just a general rule of thumb for the body in general. And so unless you're cueing them to externally rotate as their palms are pronated in things like plank and low push-up and crow, guess what they're going to do? They're going to turn the shoulders in. They're going to internally rotate because that's just what they're used to. Their nervous system is used to them doing it. Their posture, postural system is used to them doing it. Their sense of balance. It's just what they're comfortable with. And unless you're cueing them to do something different, they're going to just keep doing the same thing. This is how, again, this is from exercise science, not really yoga training. This is how muscle imbalances, I'm sorry, muscle imbalances are created by people doing the same things over and over and over and over again. And muscles get weak over time that do the opposite. Muscles get overly contracted that are doing these things, which is why I'm kind of linking you to a whole bunch of thoughts here which is why so many yoga teachers, including myself, have overly shortened muscles in the front line of their body. And you know, when I mentioned my Urban Wellness Saturday at the beginning of this podcast and my personal trainer who's going to be there, I can tell you that the 10 sessions we did together, we worked almost exclusively on the back line of my body because all the muscles in the back were overly weak because I'd been doing so much stuff with the front line of the body. So getting back to shoulder muscles, this is why when you bring people into poses like plank and low plank and crow, anything else where their palms are down, it's really helpful to cue them to external rotation. And how are you gonna do that? Well, let's think back to what I just said. The muscles of external rotation in the rotator cuff are infraspinatus and teres minor. And where do they live? They live on the back of the body. So your cues had better be to the back of the body <laughs> if you want them to activate these muscles. Now, is it easy if you say to somebody, hey, contract your infraspinatus and teres minor? Of course not, you would never say that. But let's think about where these muscles live. Well, let's think about where teres minor lives. How about that? Because that's got a really straight line from the scapula to the upper arm bone or the humerus. So your cues can be to the humerus. You can be in something like down dog. You can be in something like plank. You can be in something like low push-up, and you can cue them to roll the inner eyes, the elbows forward, or spin the biceps towards the front of the room, or roll the inside of the inner, uh, roll the inner arm bone forward. Anything that gets them to externally rotate the humerus while pronated, while their palms are down, 
are those actions, any of those actions are going to create external rotation in the shoulder, therefore concentrically contracting teres minor and infraspinatus. All right, so I know that's a lot. You're probably gonna have to go back and listen to this again, but that's okay. This is how we translate anatomical information to effective cues. And it will not work if you don't get the anatomy. This is why standing in front of a class and saying, spin the inner eyes of your elbows forward without any of this knowledge that precedes it, that we're going through here, makes no sense. Because if someone comes up to you and says, why are you asking us to do this? You're not gonna be able to answer. So this is why going to people's classes and picking up cool sounding cues and just repeating them doesn't help anybody, least of all you. And you're out of integrity anyway, so why do it? So again, you know, when I was talking at the beginning about my most recent offer, the anatomy manual, the one-on-one -on -one cues, the group cues coaching, those two coaching programs, this is why. Because the bridge for many yoga teachers between reading anatomy information and creating effective cues is a huge bridge to cross, and I get it. And in fact, in the yoga industry, there just isn't a lot of work being done with teachers to help them create effective cues. Sure, there's a lot of stuff to share the anatomy information, but if we don't help people build the bridge to the effective cueing part, it doesn't do them any good. So that's a big piece about shoulder anatomy uh, around the rotator cuff. I wanna talk about one other muscle, which is really important, and it's called the serratus anterior. This is again, not a muscle you're probably gonna hear somebody speak to literally in class, although I speak to it literally because I want people to know what it is. And the more confident you are in your anatomy knowledge, you're gonna be able to throw this stuff in in really understandable ways and give your students really valuable information. So the serratus anterior essentially is a shoulder stabilizer, meaning it doesn't externally rotate the shoulder, which is more on the flexibility end of things, I guess you could say. It's more around helping build shoulder strength and stability. And you can kind of think of it as, I mean, not kind of, it does <laughs> essentially connect your ribs to your scapula. And of course, when I give you guys these origins and insertions, I'm talking more globally. You can drill down in my anatomy manual and literally see the fine-tuned details. But for conversation with students, for conversation between teachers, for trainings in general, you don't have to go to that level, right? This is what's involved in helping people understand the key aspects of anatomy. It's being able to discern between the mega details that they probably don't need and the key stuff that they do. So this is a great example. I can go into the fine-tuned details or I can give you the key pieces. And for serratus anterior, in my opinion, if you know that it essentially connects your scapula to your rib cage, you're gonna have a good understanding of when it contracts, what it does. So let's imagine you're in plank. And let, or I'll tell you this, let's imagine you're on your hands and knees and tabletop and you're taking uh, cat pose. As you take your cat pose, what's happening to your shoulder blades? They're moving away from your spine. They're abducting. So that action, if you think about it, next time you do it, is moving your scapula away from each other. And you can hopefully get a sense that it's 
building a connection between your scapula and your rib cage. It's, it's creating not really a flattening, but almost like a scalloping of the scapula onto the back. They're definitely not winging off the back. They're definitely not dropping down the back. They're certainly not lifting up the back as if you were hunching. They're connecting more to the back. So that's the action of a serratus anterior. And in cat pose, it's a really exaggerated action because the back is really round. But when we put somebody in plank or we make plank harder by asking them to lower halfway down and hold there for a sec, as we do in low push-up, we want the serratus anterior to be active. So if you can get people to push into the ground a little bit as if they're taking like a tiny teeny cat pose, it's gonna trigger serratus anterior as they're in plank and as they move from plank to low push-up. And that can be so, so helpful for people because it's going to help them build shoulder strength through the dynamic movement of high to low push-up, up dog to down dog. And you know as well as me that we do that probably 25 to 50 times in a general yoga class. So it is absolutely one of the areas where people can create injury. When I was saying before, this idea of repetitive movement, creating muscle imbalances, this is a key one. I can tell you in my own body, I've created biceps tendonitis from internally rotating the shoulders too much when moving from high to low push-up over the years. And I had to go to physical therapy for it. There's plenty of different things that can go wrong. <laughs> so this is why it's really helpful to know what serratus anterior does and be able to integrate into your cueing, right? So here we are again at cueing, how to trigger serratus anterior to do its job. Another really good pose to trigger serratus anterior uh, or to activate it is dolphin. So bring people into tabletop have them set up the dolphin variation where they're interlacing the fingers together and setting up that kind of tripod base at the ground. Have them scoot their knees in closer to their elbows and have them press their hips up into dolphin. And then hold them for a few breaths and ask them, don't literally move your arms, but squeeze your elbows in towards one another. This will create that abduction of the scapula and that deeper connection between the scapula and the back that is the job of the serratus anterior. And it's a great way to strengthen serratus anterior, not in a dynamic movement, right? Because there, they're just in a pose. It's more of just a steady shape where they're creating that isometric contraction. So <laughs> this is a lot, right? This is probably, again, one of those ones you're gonna to listen to a couple times. Maybe listen to it once on its own and then listen to it again uh, with a picture of rotator cuff muscles and serratus anterior, and that'll be another great way to seal in the information. So that's it for today. I wanna to wrap up by giving you two reminders. One, my Urban Wellness Saturday is October 5th, Saturday, October 5th. Here in Boston, you get a special discount as a podcast listener, full day of wellness. I want you to come. If there's any possibility that you can get here, please do. You're going to get a discount podcast listener. So please, please send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. I'll get you that discount. And then don't forget between uh, today, which is the 20th and the 28th of September, 
the offer is open to get my anatomy manual and or to pair it up with a group coaching option or an individual coaching option, all designed to help you come up with better cues. That's really where the rubber meets the road. I think you know this. I, I can sense uh, that, or maybe I can't really sense because we're on the podcast, but I'm sure you get a sense <laughs> that this is one of my kind of soapboxes that I like to stand on. And it really is. It's one of those things that I really, really believe is central to effective teaching. And that's why I love to come up with programs to help teachers come up with effective cues. So the link to the event, the link to the anatomy manual and the coaching programs will be on the podcast uh, page and you can get that right on the website. If you have any questions, let me know. I wanna thank the listeners who have sent in comments uh, about how much they like the podcast. I've had a number of people join the anatomy work group and they're joining it because they're listening to the podcast and that's how they're finding the group. And so thank you. Thank you for commenting. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast and I can't wait. The next episode is going to be really cool because I'm bringing a teacher on and she was in the anatomy work group and said a couple of things that piqued my interest and I thought she'd make for a great guest. Uh, she's on the newer side of teaching. So if you're out there and you're a newer teacher, you're not going to want to miss the next episode. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Namaste.